What's up, Fast Brackets podcast listeners? This is Lupo Gacki for ThisIsBracketRacing.com. I want you to take a minute to think about the biggest round that you can envision staging for. Maybe it's the top sportsman final at this year's U.S. Nationals. Maybe it's the round to determine the PDRA Top Dragster Championship. Maybe it's first round this weekend. Regardless, there is real emotion, maybe even some anxiety that comes with that huge round. You've invested a ton to get to that point. You deserve to have confidence that you're putting the best version of yourself into the beams. That's where we can help, by providing increased understanding with an emphasis on execution. That big round I've been there, or somewhere close to it. So have my instructors, Kevin Brannon and Justin Lamb. We each have ways of not only dealing with that pressure, but reframing it to our advantage. Exclusively for Fast Brackets listeners, we're giving away one of my favorite mental game trainings for free. To take advantage, visit thisisbracketracing.com slash fastpressure. Again, that's thisisbracketracing.com slash fast pressure. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. It is episode number 11. It is the first week in July. We are heading into the fourth. Um, We have an explosive episode for you today. Hey, some of the feedback I've received this week from a non-racer. Rex, the stories are fascinating. I can't believe I didn't know more about this sport before. He can't wait now for 6 p.m. Eastern each Wednesday for the show to drop. He's clicking on the link. He's refreshing, trying to get the new episode. Um, Additionally, the feedback was great um on our 48 car versus 32 car field debate um that was a lot of fun Uh, appreciate your feedback on that but uh it is time uh clean the shop mow the yard load into the rig so you can get cut up on some episodes we've got uh, a great show today um do not get distracted settle in today is on fire we have brian the bendar bednar he is a perennial number one qualifier in PDRA top dragster competition and we have Lonnie Grimm tech director of record for almost every big event going right now Um, he's going to get with us and our conversations are going to be epic Uh, but before we get started uh, before we get at it today just a reminder you can always get at me uh, give me your feedback on twitter at fast brackets is the handle there like and follow uh follow is a big key there on the fast brackets podcast page on facebook or you can email me um fast brackets at outlook.com hey guys girls take one last walk around the car get strapped in because here we go All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put them in the water box. Um, Big news, uh, we are adding an affiliate this week. Um, Pure Horsepower News is an internet radio station. They are adding us to their lineup. Um, We are really excited about that. Uh, Pure Horsepower News primarily focuses on truck and tractor pulling. But they heard episode number 10, and they wanted to add us to their lineup. They wanted to branch out, get into some drag racing, and they added us. Now, typically, I would not allow it. Typically, if this was a uh, volleyball show or a uh, go-kart show, I would not allow it. I would not go to their um, internet 
radio programming, but Pure Horsepower News focuses on truck or truck and tractor pulling. And I'm going to allow it for three reasons. First of all, number one, there's a good symmetry between drag racing and pulling uh, right off the bat. Both are really focused on building torque, uh, not necessarily like the roundy round guys. Um, additionally, many drag strips and pulling events are working together just from a facility standpoint. Lots of times you will see the drag strip and the pulling track right next to each other. They're even using the grandstands um, as multi-use that way. Um, I will tell you that where I'm racing this weekend, uh, Wagler Motorsports Park has a drag strip and a pulling uh, track right there next to each other that they're going to pull on Friday and drag race on Saturday. So I believe there's a good symmetry in the sport right off the bat. So um, that's good. Second of all, um, this whole program is about getting eyeballs on our sport, getting more attraction to the amount of competition and speed and overall talent that is in our sport. So that is important to me. Um, It's certainly a main reason for the show and it's how we grow. So this is an opportunity as we branch out to add eyeballs to our sport. Um, And thirdly, um, I'm going to go way back here um, and tell you about one of my first great experiences as a competitor. So when I was growing up, my dad used to truck pull as well as drag race, and he had a a 77 Chevy pickup truck truck that he would pull in the stock class. Um, And so we would go to the county fairs, we would, uh, he would pull that way. And that was when I first realized that drive shafts could escape. Um, that's when I realized that drag racers were not the only crazy ones, that they were putting all kinds of time and money into doing this sport. So what was great about that was they also had pedal tractor pulling for the kids. So a lot like the junior dragsters now, Um, And I think it's becoming more popular again for these truck pulls, but they have pedal tractor pulls for the kids. So these little uh, John Deere or international tractors that have pedals like a bike, and then you could pull. And there would be sleds uh, behind, and they would throw on an extra 10 pounds every 5 or 10 feet or so, and you would pull maybe 100, 150 feet. So it was great. Dad would go and pull the truck. I would go to the uh, little lineup there, and I would enter in the pedal tractor pulls. So they typically did this from for ages 7 to 13. So they had a stock and a modified class. So the stock class was just the generic pedal tractor that everybody used. That was the stock class. And then the modified, you could bring your own. Well, of course, Dad built a monster it was 10 to 12 feet long it had this uh three gears it had planter tractor tires on the back um big fiberglass john deere front end on this thing and um you know it was impressive the seat would slide forward and back so you know as a kid i could use it and then we could slide it back and adults could use it it was it was awesome um and it turns out I was pretty good at pedal tractor pulls. Um, And I'll give you some stats to back that up. From the time I was 7 to 11 years old, I competed in 33 events. I have 32 first-place trophies and one second-place trophy. Um, Essentially, I retired from the sport at age 11, because as an 11-year-old, I was had already competed at the 13-year-old division for at least two years already and won all the events there. So competing as a 12- and 13-year-old against guys of my same class didn't make a whole lot of sense. It seemed like a waste of time. Um, essentially, if pedal tractor pulling was an Olympic event, your host would have been on a Wheaties box across the entire country. Um, but that I tell you all that to tell you that essentially I was 
super stubborn and very competitive at an early, early age. And truthfully, I don't think any of that has gone, um, has faded at all, I would say. Um, But for those three reasons, we welcome Pure Horsepower News. You can check it out, purehorsepowernews.com. Guys, if you're joining us from Pure Horsepower News right now, I get it. This is different. Drag racing is a little different animal than the pulling world. Give it three weeks. You will love it. You will get hooked. You will understand. You will dig it. Um, There's a little bit different vibe. Stay with us. Pure Horsepower News. Welcome to the show. All right, let's put it in the beams with... Brian Bedner from Ocala, Florida. Uh, Brian comes to us. His He's been doing this a while, guys. Um, his first win was a bracket race at Moroso Motorsports Park in 1984. He was your 1992 TRW Division II Sportsman All-Star Team. He uh, won the 1993 Snowbird Nationals Top Alcohol Dragster event there. He um, then transferred to Top Dragster, where he won a PDRA event in 2014, and most recently was your 2017 Heads Up Madness Outlaw Open Outlaw Street Series champ, and he went undefeated the entire season in 2017, um, and most recently has been your number one qualifier in Top Dragster Elite for the PDRA for the last three events uh brian uh welcome to the show thanks rex it's a great time being here yeah appreciate you coming on um hey you've uh you, you obviously have had a lot of success um in your time and that has spanned top dragster and top alcohol dragster and bracket racing um do you mind taking us back and just telling us how you got started in all this well i'm gonna have to put the Put the blame there on my brother for getting me started. He he was uh, 14 years older than I am, and he raced in the 60s. And of course, I used to go to the track with him when I was a little guy, and it just it just kind of hooked me, and um, it just went from there. And it, you know, as we all know, it's a disease that there's no cure for. So yeah. here I am. So true. Um, and then you are from Ocala, um, of course. Uh, the most famous guy from Ocala um, in our world is Don Garlitz. Uh, did did he play any role in that? He did. I would say uh, somewhat. I mean, yes, definitely had an influence. Uh, I looked up to him at a young age, and, and to this day I respect him for all his accomplishments. And he's, he's quite a man. Um, he did come by my shop here in Ocala about a year ago uh, for a visit, and that was that was very cool. That was that was awesome to have him in my shop and shake his hands. Uh, he actually had quite a few questions about my top dragster car because he's not familiar with that kind of stuff. And we chatted about that. And then he went on and had some very, very colorful stories of his past, uh, one in particular with Connie Coletta that I cannot repeat here, but it, <laughs> it was interesting. Let me put it that way. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, very, very cool stuff that way. Um, and... And he probably had some interest because you ran top alcohol dragster for a while, um, had some success, and then took some time off uh, and came back to the top dragster world. Um, when you came back, uh, you've had lots of success since then. Uh, do you mind telling us about your machine? Sure. What I've got now is a it's a 09 Spitzer uh, dragster that was uh, formerly originally owned by Killer James Monroe and the racers in the Midwest probably know exactly who that is. Of course. He's, he had great success with this car. And when he had it, uh, he's won multiple division races, championships. I think he even won a national event with it. Uh, it went to the Jags All-Stars a couple of, couple of times. And so, anyways, I got it from him and put it together and continued its winning ways. It's been a great, great car, and it's, it still is to this day, that's for sure. Yeah, and um, so that Spitzer car is how long? It's 272-inch wheelbase, which they're building them a little bit longer now, but it still works fantastic. Yep, and uh, and you you run a blower combination, is that right? Yes, I do. It's a Chevy-based engine. No no Hemi needed here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like having the Chevy motor. It's uh, 
it's not a Chevy per se, but it's based on a Chevy. It's a, a New Century block, which is a solid block, so it's a pretty stout piece. Uh, there are Profiler 12-degree heads on it, which are also solid with tie valves and, of course, Jessel valve train. So it, it's a pretty stout motor. Uh, on top sits a the blower shop 1471 XR1 model blower, which is just an incredible blower. It's a value-priced blower for a high-end blower. On top of that, there's a JBR carbon fiber top fuel type hat, so it looks really cool. That's why I wanted that. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. And I do build my own engines. I've had a little help recently with guidance and parts choices from Jim Evans at Roller Competition Engines in, in Missouri. He's uh, he's helped me quite a bit, uh, not actually hands-on, but over the phone and whatnot, and held my hand through a few things, and that's that's been invaluable. Jim's a good guy. Um, he's yes, helped he me. Is. He's helped me before as well. So um, nice, nice. Yeah, he's uh, he's a really good dude. Um, and then you got a power glide behind that thing, I think. I sure do. It's a FTI power glide and converter. Of course, it's FTI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, the converter is a, called a XPM bolt together converter. It's the same converter that Todd Tudro runs in Pro Mod, Lester Johnson, Top Sportsman. They. They've been running and winning with them, and so have I. Right. The transmission itself is a—it's called a level six power glide from FTI. It's—it's it's got the big input and output shafts, and the planetary gears are cryo treated, so they're pretty stout. And over the last three years of running 380s, 370s, I haven't had a second problem with it. It just keeps on asking for more, and you can't really ask for much more than that. Yeah, you're throwing a lot of horsepower at it, for, so. For you to say that means a lot um, yeah, from yeah. that standpoint, and and they've been good to you, right? You you wave the FTI uh, banner on on the side of the car. I sure do. It's all over the car. The the flags I put up at the track. It's on my fire suit. I have crew shirts. Uh, FTI is 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 my main people. That's for sure. <laughs> they've been awesome to me. Awesome. Yeah, and. Speaking of people, you had – I looked at uh, the number one qualifier picture, Brian. You mm-hmm. you had a bunch of people with you this weekend. I did. Normally it's just me and my normal crew guy and whoever that may be at that week or at that race, I should say. But this week it was more of a home race because it's closer to home. And my wife, kids, sister, uh, niece from California. Uh, there was quite a few people there, so it made it extra special to go number one. Oh, that's awesome! With, with all with all of them present. Yeah, um, yeah. So you go number one, and uh, you are marching through the finals. I mean, you had great lights um, from the start to all the way to the finals. I think your worst light was what a thirteen. Is that right? That's correct. Yep, I pulled out of the trailer and had a trip zip light right out of the trailer. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm set and I'm ready to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and I was 006 first round. That 13 was second round, 005 in the semis. And then the final, I rolled in deep and ended up going red. So <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, but, but a super weekend um, overall and, and moves you up um, in the point and standings that way from the PDRA side. Um, is that something you're going to chase this year? It is. Now that I uh, have done so well the last two races, especially with going to back-to-back finals, it's moved me up in the points. I'm not sure exactly how far yet, but I'm, I'm up, and I have a legit shot at the championship, and that's what I'm headed for now. I'm going to concentrate on that and do everything I can to get that in my grasp. It's not going to be easy. There's a, there's a lot of good racers out there and a lot of good cars in the PDRA top dragster and PDRA in general. So it's, it's going to be a dogfight, but I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, and so um, you you run Bender's Auto Service in Ocala. Um, mm, that's correct. So, so now you got to talk to the boss and schedule some time off. Is that right? I do, and when I go home tonight, I'll talk to her and see what she says. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, what, do, what do you service mostly at, the, at your shop there? We do a little bit of everything, uh, important domestic cars, uh, no European cars, uh, just general repairs, and I've been in business since 1975, straight out of high school. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've been her- you've been doing it a long time with on that side then. That's that's fantastic. Absolutely, yes. Um, 
Well, hey, I've got to ask you. So, mm-hmm. um, your nickname is the Bendar. Um, how did the how did how did how did you get that nickname? Well, actually, James Monroe pinned that on me. Uh, he uh, watched what I do on some of the forums and, and our discussions and phone calls and whatnot, and I, I kind of put my own twist on things. So he said I'm kind of bending things, not <laughs> bending the truth necessarily, but just put my own bend on things. So it kind of stuck, and I just took it from there. When when FTI came on board, they Greg Samuels, the owner, uh, really liked that. He says, well, let's put that on the car. you got to be the bender. So here I am, the bender. I love it. I love it. That's uh, that's fantastic. Um, well, yeah, you've been uh, you've gone number one in the PDRA side the last three events. That is quite an accomplishment. Um, so now that uh, you're moving up in the points, you're you're going to chase that the rest of the year. Is that right? Absolutely. Yep. We're halfway through the season. There's four races left, and I'm going to do everything in my power to grab that number one spot at the end of the year. I like it. I like it. Brian, thanks so much for coming on. Um, we wish you the best of luck the rest of the year. And, um, hey, um, go get some and come back on and see us again. I absolutely will. I hope to talk to you again very soon. Today's Half Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, go to DragRaceLawyer.com, talk to Ed, get it worked out. Um, Hey, all right, so today we've got uh, really the two major things that happened over the weekend was the PDRA Summer Nationals at South Georgia Motorsport Park, and um, NHRA had a Division I competition at Lebanon Valley. So let's start with the PDRA. Um, let's go to Top Sportsman Elite uh, there. Your number one qualifier at the Summer Nationals was Erica Coleman. In, um, she went, goes 402 at 190 miles an hour, um, and, but the winner in the elite division there for top sportsman was Jackie Robinson in his beautiful 66 Chevy two over Bruce Duncan. Uh, Jackie has the better light and mathematically locks Bruce out. Congrats to Jackie Robinson on that win in top sportsman elite. Um, on their regular 32 side for top sportsman, Chris Nigers gets the win over Jeff Pittman. So congrats to Chris. Um, uh, and he will move up in the point standings there. I know he's competing um, on the series side um, for the regular version that way. So um, congrats to Chris again. On the top dragster side, number one was Brian Bedner in his FTI machine. He goes 379 at 192 miles an hour. That, of course, is his third in a row, number one qualifier the bump was 411 there so it was moving um ultimately brian goes red in the final and gives philip sexton the win so congrats to philip that's a brian had a really nice weekend but uh philip sexton is your winner in top dragster elite on the regular side on the on the regular 32 side uh kimberly messer gets the win over mandy teat seal so uh the ladies duked it out there and Kimberly Messer gets the win. Um, Now, as we go to Lebanon Valley for the NHRA Divisional in West Lebanon, New York, um, we got uh, rained out there. Um, They got the qualifying in. They got a couple of rounds in. Your number one qualifier there on the top sportsman side was Angela Kinson. Um, She goes 625 with a 7. So, Nice pass there from Angela Kinson. Um, number one on the top dragster side was Frank Zephyro. Um, he's a 615 with a five. There were 42 pipe racks that showed up for that event there, and the bump was 686 with a nine. So congrats to Frank for going number one there. But ultimately, it rained. Um, had to postpone the event. Um, they will finish top sportsman and top dragster in Epping 
New Hampshire uh, from September 6th to the 8th. Um, next week, next week, we will we will um, follow up. We'll get you results on the NHRA national event in New England and then also the Division Three NHRA event in Indianapolis. Um, we'll get you caught up in the results on both of those things. Uh, programming note, the Norwalk national event for top sportsmen, top dragster have been rescheduled for September 5th and September 6th. Um, so 5th and 6th are a Thursday, Friday. So um, let's say you're leaving the U.S. Nationals. You could go to Norwalk. You could stack on Tuesday, park on Wednesday, race on Thursday and Friday, and I would say potentially get you to Earlville for the Division Five event after that. So um, just plan accordingly, and we will get you caught up on everything else next week. Whoa, let's get out of the groove here just a little bit. Um, if you're following along, if you're trying to guess or bet on what we are going to talk about this week on Out of the Groove, this legitimately was the easiest call ever in the history of the show. Um, if you went to Vegas, you would probably be money line of like a betting a thousand, earning a thousand and one. Um, of course, we're going to go to Martin, Michigan, and talk about the SFG 500 bracket race there that was $525,000 to win. That is the largest single payout in drag racing history. There were 600 plus cars that showed up, paid their entry fee of $1,650 per car, uh, three grand to double enter. Uh, $500 to buy back. And of course, it was John Force and Antron Brown in the final. Uh, er, actually, it was Gage Birch. Uh, Gage Birch, ladies and gentlemen, won the single largest payout in drag racing history. Gage is a young dude. He is 19 years old and he just made drag racing history. And my man did it uphill. Um, he did it against the grain. I mean, of course, he went into the largest drag racing payout ever in a $100,000 purpose-built dragster. Wrong. He did it in a rig that he had never sat in until last week. He did it in a back-half Ford Ranger dialed 650s in the eighth. Um, on his way to the final... He saw none other than Jeg Coughlin Jr. in the semifinals, um, and it was awesome to see Jeggy come out and get down with his new supercharged setup. Um, but no match for Gage in the semis. Um, and then he see Gage has to see Johnny Bracket Racer himself, Ezel, in the finals. Uh, Johnny is always a tough out. He's a former million dollar winner. And there's a reason he's called Johnny Bracket Racer, or JBR for short. Um, Gage's nails, though. Uh, he doesn't care um, that it's 160 gur to the winner. It's 140 stacks to the runner-up. Uh, Gage's 15 dead-on two in the final to win that thing and to make drag racing history. And I don't know. Like, he's a young guy. I didn't realize a lot of things when I was 19 Maybe he didn't realize that history was being made. Maybe he didn't realize that his life was going to change forever or that half a mil is a nice chunk to set your life up with. Um, this is where it gets really interesting to me. We're seeing more and more and more of these super high payouts to win these bracket races. And this is what I do every day. I work with high net worth individuals and I manage their debt, um, and I assist them to reach their financial goals because I manage that debt as efficiently as possible. Um, Gage, we need to talk. Um, I can create a financial plan for you that will allow you to reach your goals the most efficient way possible. Part of that is managing debt efficiently. Part of that is making a long-term plan. Um, that money that you earn going 10 rounds 
this past weekend, it should allow you to do some things most people can't if you manage it correctly. Um, I love that this is way, where the sport is going. Essentially, it's like the NBA draft night where we're getting three or four of our racers getting drafted every year. Um, I just truthfully don't want the awful suits and the blinged out watches to come with it. Um, what I want is to see people manage those funds efficiently so they can reinvest in the sport and their families' lives. Um, it's been said, you can always sleep in the car, but you can't race the house. Good news, Gage. You don't have to make that decision. Congrats. Okay, as we hit the mile per hour cone, this is our tech segment here. So we're going to talk with someone who is, we are unofficially adopting as our tech director here at the Fast Brackets podcast. Um, he is competition and tech director at uh, the Professional Drag Racers Association. He is the comp and tech director at Horsepower Wars the Outlaw Streetcar Reunion, the Holly LS Fest, at Engine Masters, at Drag Week, and the No Prep Kings TV series. Welcome to the show, Lonnie Grimm. How are you, Lonnie? I am good, Rex. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on. Um, hey, you are sitting in Benton, Arkansas right now. Um, is that where you grew up? Is that how you got involved? That where you got involved with the sport? Yeah, pretty much. I've been uh, I've been a Arkansan or an Arkie since I was uh, about nine years old. Born and raised in uh, about sixty miles north of Oklahoma City, in a little town called Perry, Oklahoma, and uh, moved here with my family at uh, the age of nine. I think I was starting in about the third grade when I got here. So, so essentially, all your life. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. And then um, uh, is that when you got into motorsports or was it a little later? No. So the, the car thing was something that uh, my dad was really always into cars, uh, not so much on the build and fabrication side, but uh, the tinker, the he drag raced back in, back in the sixties. And, and then um, a little later in life, he was just more of a car collector, a hot rod, this or that, uh, and uh, so, so I was thrown into the realm of cars at a very early age, and and by the time I was probably by the time I was eleven, twelve, thirteen years old, uh, his company had uh, was a um, the construction equipment, and so uh, in construction equipment repair. So mm -hmm. learning to weld and that kind of stuff was from really from those guys out in the shop and. Uh, they would put me to work on uh, in those summer days, uh, not in school and after school. And so that's really where it all started. And the love of cars has really been my whole life and built my first one when I was 15 years old. So that's where it started. Yeah, um, that that's good stuff. And so now, in addition to being the competition and tech director at essentially every uh, major a motorsport event not named NHRA or Midwest Pro Mod Series. Um, you also run Lonnie Grimm Motorsports. Uh, what what happens uh, in that shop on a daily basis? So Lonnie Grimm Motorsports, uh, it, long story short, it, it started life at an early age. At, uh, at 17, 18 years old, I was welding uh, uh, street rod chassis and stuff up and doing fabrication work on those things on the uh on the weekends and at nights and uh went off to college played football and 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 came back to little rock and got a little more serious about college education and uh, came out of college and and decided i wanted to open my own street rod fabrication turnkey facility we did, i did all the paint all the fabrication all the wiring all the assembly uh along with some great guys that i had working for me uh, we even did in-shop upholstery at one time uh, the, uh, and I did that and that, that went for almost 20 years and we would do from mild to wild street rods and a little bit of race car stuff. Um, and, uh, then it really dove off into, uh, uh, street rods turned into race cars. Somebody said, well, how'd you, how'd your shop turn into a race car shop? And I said, I quit going to the street rod nationals and started going to the U S nationals. <laughs> 
And so street rods turned into race cars as far as work goes. And I had a lot of opportunity growing up uh, because of the success of my parents' business. I didn't go into that business. And hindsight is sometimes you cross those paths and wonder why you didn't make that decision. But I've been very humbled and blessed my whole life to to be able to make my own money and uh, and follow a passion and a dream that I've had. And, and again, Lonnie Grant Motorsports now is a – Really nice facility. Went from a 30 by 30 concrete building to what is now 16,000 square feet and epoxy floors and and uh, really nice fabrication and uh, and complete assembly shop. And we can do everything from a piece of pipe to a turnkey pro mod car. But uh, what we really specialize in is a guy orders a car, say it's a Bickle, a Haas, a dragster, a top dragster, or whatever. And we take the car from bare bones, body and chassis, all the way through powder coat, plumb, wire, assembly, tested, turnkey, back to the customer in absolutely as great of a race car as we can produce. Got it. That's, uh, yeah. And so when those clients get it, then, then they can run it and they know it's right, right from the get. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of customers that, that kind of, follow along the stepping stones of things they may have started with a a small car an open trailer now they're all the way to a a toter home or a motor home and a stacker trailer and they started with a a foot brake bracket car and now they're in a a top sportsman car you know trying to go four o's and uh the uh and so we we came from where they were to where they are and and so uh, it's really nice to be able to hop in cars like that and go test them for customers. We do a lot of chassis setups, uh, guys that are having a little bit of problem here and there, whether it be just shocks or shocks and suspensions. We do a lot of that here in the shop, and and a lot of those cars, uh, we're also on the phone with those guys if they need a little adjustment. What do I do next? What do I do here and there? But we've we've I've had a lot of great instruction and and been able to gain a lot of knowledge over the years from the great people. Uh, Ricky Smith, Jerry Bickle, uh, Jerry Haas, a number of customers and clients that, that I've worked for and uh, have just been able to retain that knowledge and continue to go forward. And then, you know, nowadays it's being at the racetrack and, and being a part of a lot of different organizations, which, again, very blessed to do that. Uh, I get to see a lot of cars down the racetrack. Uh, you know, I don't really care about their data unless it's some technical issue I have to go look at i'm not worried about their tune-ups i figured that all that i'll learn on my own if i want to run my, my own car again but uh nonetheless i still see a from day to day we see a lot of teams that are uh that are, are doing everything as good as they can and unfortunately we see a lot of guys that uh just in the tech process of their car whether it be bump steer setup rear steer different things that go on and how the car goes down the racetrack when we see it it's uh there's a there's a lot of teams out there that could uh, that could find some improvement yeah of course i mean that's part of the process for all of us right is trying to make our cars better more consistent faster whatever um and you see it all as uh the tech director of of a lot of these organizations and especially at the pdra um and specifically on the top dragster and top sportsman side um are you seeing any changes uh to be made from that um on in the pdra specifically so the uh you know one of the things about the pdra absolutely great organization if you've not been there and raced with us uh you're cordially invited to, to come to an event that may be close to home or drive halfway across the country if you feel like it to come to one of our events uh, you won't be displeased. Um, if you've been there in the past, come back and see what the new PDRA is about. Uh, if uh, if you've been there in the past and enjoyed it and you're still there, thank you. I mean, it's a, it's a great organization to be involved with, uh, even on my side of things. Um, top Sportsman, Top Dragster, overall across the country, uh, there's, a, there's, a re, there's a resurgence. There's just like we're seeing in Pro Mod, you mentioned Med- Midwest Pro Mods. Uh, Keith Haney close mm-hmm. to me a few hours up the road, and and we're we're on the phone a fair amount, and uh, and I've even helped them with a few events. Uh, uh, even was at St. Louis this year. Uh, Jimmy Bowles had a had an unfortunate passing of his sister-in-law, uh, 
and could not attend that race. So I went as their director and operated that race for them in St. Louis. And that is a great group of racers, great group of people. But again, on the PDRA side, if you've not been there, uh, from, from pro boost, pro nitrous, top sportsman, top dragster specifically, uh, if you've not been to PDRA, you need to come check us out. But, uh, the things that we see going on in Top Dragster is, is like I mentioned, the resurgence that you see going on in the world of Pro Mod. You know, a lot of people building new Pro Mod cars. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people building and and elevating their program to take their 530 bracket car, and now it goes 430s mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. Top Sportsman, or their uh, or their 480 Dragster is is now going, you know. Four O's, four teams, and and we've seen some elevation in that. Obviously, the progression in technology for the chassis and all the chassis builders that are out there across the country uh, are also elevating that process uh, with carbon bodies and lighter components, a little longer cars uh, that'll easily handle more power, and uh, and so that's that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of interest in top sportsman, top dragster. Uh, we are starting to see a. And I'll call it a, a resurgence just because of the technology and the companies that are involved. You know, fuel injection was something that came about in the in early 2000s, and there was only a couple companies that offered it. Um, it was a little premature to to the world of, of sportsman racing. And even still, it was still premature in the pro ranks, but... In sportsman racing, it was definitely premature. We were just now getting to open our laptops to plug into some ignition unit. Uh, The digital ignition stuff and programmables were just coming along. Um, Some of most teams were doing it with a handheld programmer. Uh, And so, one, teams were a little scared of the laptop. Uh, Not scared, but just I don't want to burn down my race car with this keyboard when I know I can screw a Holly jet or, or whatever case in the carburetor. Um, so, so that took a little while. Then fuel injection came right there behind it. And the processors were really pretty slow for what the activity needed on the racetrack. Now move forward, move 10, 12 years forward really quickly. And, uh, uh, 17 years forward, really. Um, 2002 is really the area I'm talking about, but, uh, we move forward to now. The processors are. Uh, it saw it happen. It fixed it. You could you could tell it what was going to happen, and it was prepared. Uh, the processor speeds of, is really what has enabled the fuel injection to move to the forefront, and uh, not really be your only choice out there right now. Because also carburetor technology, even though it's a very old technology, carburetors are as good today as they have ever been. And if you own the, if you own a good carburetor, I say don't give it away. I mean that's uh, they are very hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, fuel injection, it's uh, it's a little self sensing. It's a little self correcting. Uh, again, the correction margins that we see now are very small. The windows because of the processor speeds, and so and you can hold it to a tight window of correction to make the car uh, perform the way you want it to. The power management side is uh, is fairly simple on the uh, on the fuel injection deal. Uh, the fuel maps are very repetitive, uh, and the carburetor fuel maps are very repetitive for a given day. The deal is, is atmospheric pressure and humidity or vapor pressure and adjusted altitude uh, all have a significant role in, in what the carburetor booster sees as the fuel moves through it. So carburetors have a little quicker window uh, that, uh, that they'll move with the weather. But uh, always goes back to the old saying: "As lean as mean." Just uh, when you, if you got a nitrous car, it's not necessarily on the side of it you want to be. Right? Um, yeah, that's that's so interesting that the processor speeds have has really been the driver in how usable these fuel injection systems um, have been here recently, and we're seeing more and more success with that. And I think people. Uh, to your point, letting go of the carburetor and and saying, "Hey, all right, I will trust the laptop now." And um, just curiosity, because I think you're on top of it as much as anybody could possibly be right now. Let's just, in theory, um, if the processing speed doubled and then doubled again, um, 
could we see something that is is potentially bad for the sport if the processing speeds get too fast and uh, it allowed us to manipulate it too much? Is that a is that a possibility? Well, so uh, so I can almost say that we're we're probably at not by no means we're at a pinnacle with electronics and, and processor speeds and and uh, that kind of deal. But but the processor speeds right now are are almost fast enough to do anything. Uh, probably the probably the car that utilizes, uh, if you said used up the system, and I don't think that they've limited out the system would be NHRA Pro Stock, a very high tech car, very fast piston speed, uh, a a lot of technology in that engine, and uh, if, if a car out there was having to have extensive control over a fuel map and what it does to keep the uh, an O2 level uh, uh, air fuel mixture the same, uh, the pro probably the pro stock car has the is taxed the most, and I'm not sure that they're using up the processor speed at, at that level. So, I think the processor speeds are probably as fast as anything that we would ever need right now. Uh, the question you ask about, uh, you know, are we headed down a road that uh, that we we may not want to find ourselves at one day? That potential exists. Um, now that potential doesn't exist, and I don't say that that by any means we need to take fuel injection away from any class. But what we will need to do in the it, going forward is uh, right now, if you just said that guys would have to. Uh, if you said you had to gain control over something or you wanted to make sure that uh, that it wasn't doing something that was really outside the realms of of the rules, you could just take driveline sensors away from something. Uh, and real quickly, if that's the way it was being programmed uh, to do something that it's not supposed to, whether it be slew rate or baseline um, or a follow curve, a drive shaft curve, then, then obviously it would be indicated very quickly from the run run number one and say run number two when you took driveline sensors away gotcha. the other thing about it is the processor speeds are really fast enough at this point that uh that it can it can look at the engine side it can 100 percent look at engine speed well problem is is that there's a coupler between that called the torque converter and so uh unless you're looking at it post torque converter it probably it's it will be less effective, but it still can be effective. So, going forward, I think it's just going to be a situation where where you have to uh, uh, guys that are on this podcast are going to listen to it that have a carburetor car that know that if they can let go of the button, they believe that their car cannot be beat, and uh, and you you continue to have that uh, continue to have uh, that mindset because that that is a true statement. Um, just the, the technology that's available right now, uh, the fuel injection deals and what really helps the fuel injection also is the amount of support that you can get on the other end of the phone or the other end of an email, mm-hmm. uh, even in, in live help, whether and and Holly's one that comes to mind, uh, I do a bunch with the Holly company and events and, uh, and company wise itself. And, uh, you know, there are other great companies out there that provide support. Uh, Holly's just one that I have seen uh, firsthand that uh, their, their support side is, uh, is really great. Now, that's, uh, that, that's really great stuff and, and interesting. I think, you know, we all just kind of um, just want to have a handle on, uh, on keeping everything fair. And that, that's what you do um, at – all these events that you go to and, and appreciate you giving us that glimpse, um, into that. It's uh, it's really fascinating stuff. Um, Lonnie, appreciate your time today. We we've adopted you. So we're going to have you on again. Um, appreciate your time. Um, thanks so much for coming on guys, girls. That is Lonnie Grimm from Lonnie Grimm Motorsports. If you need him. Hey, Rex, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the show. You do a great job. And, uh, and again, going forward, I'd love to dive in more into some EFI stuff. And, uh, and we'll talk about 
uh, how EFI going forward may end up being uh, fuel management only, and you'll still have a spark side, i.e. a grid or some other thing to drive the spark in the car, and that will also separate some of those things that potentially could go on in the EFI world that all of us might not be looking for. Yep, I, I love it, and um, we'll get that scheduled real soon. Okay, it is time for us to take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 11. We got the win light. Thanks. That's it. That's Gloria. We, thanks to Brian Bedner and Lonnie Grimm for coming on. Next week, we've got a couple of champs. I cannot wait uh, for that. Um, hey, again, subscribe, follow, or like on Facebook. Tell your friends about the show. Retweet or share the Facebook page link. Uh, tweet me at Fast Brackets on Twitter, uh, the Fast Brackets podcast on Facebook. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a safe and happy 4th of July. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. Listeners, this is Luke Bogacki for ThisIsBracketRacing.com. Listen, you have invested a ton of time, energy, resources into your racing operation. It's no small feat to compete at the level and, quite frankly, at the speeds that you do on a regular basis. You deserve to see a return on that investment in terms of wind lights. That's where we come in. You've got incredible equipment. You don't need me to tell you how to go fast or how to get down the racetrack with a ton of power. In fact, you probably don't even need me to tell you how to hold 500s or drive the finish line like Jason Lynch. You've got awesome equipment, and you don't need to get too creative. But you need to hit the tree. That matters at every level of competition. I can help. Exclusively for Fast Brackets listeners, we're giving away one of our best reaction time trainings for free. To take advantage, visit thisisbracketracing.com slash fastreaction. Again, that's thisisbracketracing.com slash fastreaction. Another show in the books, man. Dude, it's better. It's better than every other one. I mean, like, it keeps getting better, and that's nothing to degrade the other ones. I'm just telling you, like, it keeps getting better um, because the guests are just keep upping their game. It's awesome. Yeah, I made a living in this business having no talent but having great guests. You can survive <laughs> forever, man. That's the plan.